0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. Whenever something really familiar shows up in the readings on Sunday, like today, how we were listening to the story of Nicodemus when suddenly, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, showed up, when that happens, it always feels like when you're in a crowd of people and suddenly you see a familiar face. Same thing happened in our first reading for today. In the middle of a perfectly weird story about seraphim, those like six-winged creatures who fly around the throne of God, suddenly we heard, Holy, holy, holy Lord, heaven and earth are full of your glory, the Sanctus, which we sing every week during the Eucharist. In a moment, Reagan will stand behind this altar and chant. We join with saints and angels in the chorus of praise that rings through eternity, lifting our voices to magnify you as we sing. And Reagan's one voice will make way to many as our own harmonies rush into the space that his lone voice never could fill because here's a basic truth. You can't sing harmony alone. Harmony is a sound of unity and difference, a sound of one thing That is only possible when people who differ from each other unite. E pluribus unum. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. During the fall of 2016, I called my boyfriend Eric from the road. He's not Christian, but I asked with an unwarranted urgency over a Skype call. Why do you think that throughout the ages the church has tried to control human sexuality? Without skipping a beat, he answered, I guess I always assumed the church saw sex as its competition. (laughs) The moment he said it, I knew it was at least partially true. As I've heard your stories over the last couple years about how the church's teachings around sex have affected you, I've wondered about this holiness of which we sing and which the church has nearly equated to purity, sexual and otherwise. And I've wondered if purity and holiness really are the same thing. I guess that to connect to the holy, is to access the deepest, juiciest part of our spirits, and perhaps this is why we set up so many boundaries and protections and rules around both sex and religion. Both seem to expose such a large surface area of the self, which can then be either hurt or healed. But when the boundaries, protections, and rules become more important, than the sacred thing they are intended to protect casualties ensue. It's Holy Trinity Sunday today, or as what I just called Church Doctrine Sunday. It's the only feast day of the year that's devoted to a church doctrine. And what better example of the way in which boundaries, protections, and rules have become more important than the sacred thing they are intended to protect than church doctrine? Wars have been fought. And spiritual casualties have piled up over the last 2,000 years because we Christians think purity of doctrine is more important than love, more important than joy, more important than people. Not for nothing, but yesterday I had to write a letter of support for a friend who is without question one of the most gospel-soaked people I have ever met. He has the spirit of the living God in him, and wants nothing more than to be a pastor, and his denomination doesn't want to allow his ordination because he is married to another man. When doctrinal purity is more important than actual reality, we have a problem. Because no matter how much we strive for purity in our minds, bodies, spirits, or ideologies, purity is not the same as holiness. It's just easier to define what is pure than what is holy, so we pretend they're interchangeable. Our purity systems, even those established with the best of intentions, do not make us holy. They only create insiders and outsiders. Purity systems are mechanisms for delivering our drug of choice, self-righteousness, and the drip of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil runs down our chins. And these purity systems show up in political ideology and in the way people shame each other on social media for not being woke enough and the way we obsess over eating clean. (laughs) Purity most often leads to pride or despair, but it does not lead to holiness. Because when it comes down to it, holiness is about union with and purity is about separation from. Maybe sex does compete with the church because of the way that sex, like religion, can alleviate the pain of separateness. It can soothe the ache of not being seen. It can tame the fear of insignificance. It can circumvent the lacerating experience of feeling incomplete. I mean, whether we realize it or not, we will often find ways to alleviate feelings of existential aloneness. We fill our lives with things that distract us from the sound of our deepest isolation, tapping at the window, food, entertainment, success, sex, relationships, busyness, gossip. There are plenty of ways to divert our attention from the unavoidable aloneness of human existence. But I just think that there's a difference between distraction from and alleviation of. In the way that smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee distracts from the feelings of hunger, but eating food alleviates them. Temporarily, of course, but that's what it means to be human. Holiness comes from moments not of separating ourselves out from our sexuality or from other people who have different ideas from us. Holiness comes from union with. In religion... Specifically, we seek the alleviation of existential aloneness via union with God, via union with others who are seeking the same thing. We pray for the concerns of others, which unites us with them. We stand around tables where we share bread and wine, which unites us with each other. We join with saints and angels singing the chorus of praise that rings through eternity, holy, holy, holy. Reagan once told me he always lifts his eyes to heaven when he sings holy, holy, holy. It's a way of acknowledging that his voice is one of millions that have and that are and that always will join with the heavens to sing of God. It reminds him that he's a creature endowed with a life and soul through the very breath of God, the breath he uses to sing with angels and all the faithful. The boundaries of his separate self are for the moment vanquished into an eternal song. This is holiness. The holiness that the heavenly creatures sing of around God's throne and the the one that we sing of around God's table is about union. When more than one become one, when what is separate is made whole, union, singing in harmony, breastfeeding a baby, collective bargaining, dancing, admitting our pain to someone and hearing them say, me too. Holiness happens when we are integrated as physical, spiritual, sexual, emotional, political beings. But holiness is not something we earn or create or even strive to become. It's not about self-improvement. It's when we bump up against God by happenstance. It's when something jars us into ourselves and out of ourselves at the same time. I asked you guys once what feels holy to you. And you said holiness happens in those moments when we're blissfully free from our ego and yet totally connected to ourself and something else. Nobody said purity. It is in the smell of a newborn's head and the exhaustion of a laboring mother, the moment during a celebration when you share a piece of cake with those you love and you take the first bite and every pleasure sensor is firing, holy, holy, holy. Holiness is the thing I never saw coming that catches my breath because I know the sacred has interrupted my isolation even as I am trying to distract myself from it, because I know that the sweet, sweet Spirit of God has again made me whole. And I insist on this. When two loving individuals, two bearers of God's image, are unified in an erotic embrace, there is a space for something holy, what was separate has come together. Two spirits, two bodies, two stories are drawn so closely that they are something together. They cannot be alone. There's unity. Jesus seemed to want connection with those around him, not separation. He touched human bodies deemed unclean as if they were themselves holy, dead little girls, lepers, Menstruating women. People of his day were disgusted, Jesus' disciples would eat with unwashed hands, and they tried to shame him for it, but he responded, It's not what enters the mouth that makes one unclean, but what comes out of it that defiles. Ultimate mic drop, if you're paying attention. Jesus kept violating boundaries of purity and decency to get to the people on the other side of that boundary, those who'd been wounded by it, those who were separated from the others, the motherless, the sex workers, the lepers, the victims, and the victimizers. He cared about real holiness, the connection of things human and divine, the unity of sinners, the coming together of that which was formerly set apart. He cared about holiness more than purity. And he invites us into that as well. Let us pray. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are so completely filled with your glory. Hosanna in the highest. We give you thanks and praise for both sex and church. (laughs) Make us holy, make us whole. Bring us into your triune self. Amen.